Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Vass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California. And my name's Willie Ups. I'm a tabletop game designer in Boston, Massachusetts, America. Adam, what's good? What's new? What's up? What's happening? I uh, am in a state of... <laughs> it's interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. You're in an interesting state. Between... <laughs> Tell me more. Between like production schedules and fulfillment schedules for multiple things. Oh wow! So like having things at the printer, at different printers, and then just like sort of waiting. You're uh, in limbo. I'm in limbo. That's the state. Yeah, it's pretty weird just sitting on your hands like that, right? Where you're just like, well, some advice that we give a lot of people doing Kickstarters is the moment that they're done, you got to take those two weeks by the neck and throw it to the ground and say, I'm going to enjoy my time with you. And then you're, you throw yourself on the ground and you just hang out with those two. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever effectively done that. Despite I did it. It's one of those things that I will tell people and, and recognize that I don't follow. <laughs> Do you, I think I have tons of game advice like that. I mean, fucking like, stretch goals is that every time. Yeah, don't do stretch goals. And I'm like, what if I do some stretch goals? <laughs> the stretch goals are bad. But how else are you going to keep my momentum on my page for the next three weeks? I'll just do a couple. Stretch goals are bad, and I will raise the same amount no matter what. But what if I wanted to have more panic attacks during this process? That's the really strange thing is it's illusory. It's like you cannot prove... In fact, it'd probably be easier to disprove the idea that a stretch goal actually contributes to the funding. Like, especially those late ones where it's like, we funded day one, it's a week into the four-week campaign, I'm going to announce some new shit, and, like, I don't think there's, like, a cause-and-effect relationship between those late changes you made to your campaign and the amount of money that you're bringing in. Yeah, exactly. And but especially stretch goals. Right. Those stretch goal because you want something to tweet about. I think it's just you run out of runway yourself, especially it's, you know, one of your first Kickstarters or whatever. You find yourself running out of runway and then you're like, oh, I'm making so much money. I might as well provide additional value, which is totally wrong. You're already doing that. But if you can't think of a stretch goal in your preparation for the campaign, you certainly will not think of one while the campaign is going on um, and be able to execute on it in the way you do. I I mean, it's like heartbreaking the amount of like, you know, fourth quarter stretch goals you see that are like, um, and I will uh, buy some stars and I'll donate the stars to backers of the, <laughs> of the project or like, I'm going to invest in a mint and we're going to mint our own money. Um, and you did not have that consideration before launch that X dollars are necessary and Y percent of that money is going to go to fees and stuff. Like it just ruins all of your stuff. Just all yeah, of your you plans. Get the, you get the Dorfin rush to your medulla obligato and you just are out of control, you know, with what you want to do. I was trying to find, uh, that graphic of fighter planes that 
you know what I'm talking about that has it shows where they've been struck. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a survivor bias. Yes, exactly. That's what I was getting at. That's that's the causation uh, relationship with stretch goals and funding. It's like, oh, I, I funded. Look, yeah. But so like the there's two fighter planes. Uh, and one of them, you know, I think it's like World War One when you're having dogfights. The Red Baron just riddles your your planes, and they're looking at the planes that have returned to base, and the ones that return to base have bullet holes everywhere, but the cockpit. So the first instinct is to um, bandage up those areas and to you know put more steel plates there. But the planes that aren't coming back are ones where they the bullets did go through the cockpit, right? And, <laughs> I regret to inform you that the pilot died there. It's very sad. Um, thank you for your service, <laughs> the Kickstarter. <laughs> um, yeah, so you actually got to bundle up that part. And so hopefully that, you know, we're helping you realize that um, you're going to get shot at no matter what. And so <laughs> you better bundle up your human part of the ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that said, I have a, all the stuff in production. Necronautilus is at print and it'll, Hell yeah. it's actually two months from now that I'm expected to receive this palette of books. Um, that's awesome. so that's like quite how many a, books all told, um, 1500 and then plus 5% because of the like promo. So it's like 1650 or something like that. That is fucking awesome, Adam. I'm so proud of you. I don't know where I'm going to put them all, but <laughs> You gotta uh, it, buy a storage unit. It does help that I sold a thousand already. Yeah, you'll just clear those out. I mean, I'm just imagining how you're gonna have that in your apartment. Yeah, I um don't know. I am having it delivered to a friend's place too because it's like a commercial truck drop off, and uh, oh right, I wouldn't be able to get it inside my building without like a pallet truck. So, I'm gonna store it in my friend's garage. Probably do fulfillment there. And then just drop crates and crates off at the post office. Uh, you want the me week to fly before over? Christmas. Should I get over there help you out? Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I have bad news though. Um, but everywhere we went before is unavailable to us now. No. Pretty pretty much everywhere we went when guide assembly was taking place uh, is closed. Even when we tried to go to the Hollywood sign and we got sketched out and we're like, nah, <laughs> I'm not fucking with this. Uh, the L.A. River is still there. We could try to drive down that, take a shortcut. Yeah, every time I was in the car with Adam and we were driving somewhere, I would just point to the L.A. River and be like, can we take a shortcut? <laughs> every I'm single time. Pretty confident, although I haven't witnessed it with my own eyes, uh, that there's very little water in there right now. Every single movie... Uh, made in Hollywood includes a chase scene on the LA River. So. It's true. Anyway, that reminds me of uh, the last vacation I took, and I'm about to take a vacation uh, right now off of work for a little bit. And I was thinking of this concept of game vacation uh, and how I think it's true of a lot of us. I mean, our conversation was getting there that you just have this time. Uh, so, how do you, you know, structure time away from a type of game work or you know, whatever it is to go do some other shit, like chill out, for example. Um, that just made me think of a uh, gamer vacation, which is different. Uh, <laughs> it's just um, gamer vacation when you get the RGB LED light that's just constantly changing <laughs> rainbow colors 
and uh what's a good vacation uh locale that you could make led friendly a lockout from halo 2 <laughs> yes you just uh absorb all the varied colored lights uh as you chillax within halo 2 <laughs> what video game locations would you like to go relax in what about that beach from kingdom hearts uh i actually Sora. I, was, I i only played very like maybe an hour of kingdom hearts but i still know what you're talking about yeah remember that song no there was a song that was very good everyone all my all my mickey heads out there know what i'm talking about <laughs> um i would enjoy let's see like a red dead like cabin ride a oh, horse yeah. up to a cabin uh, oh yeah! Play dominoes with the old man at the train station. Yes, be a really Go enjoyable ahead. vacation. Avoid your poisonous co-op. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of rough co-op situation. Don't progress the main story. No. Um, and man, open world video games are a good good idea. Maybe I'll just finally get the ancient egypt assassin's creed and just go hang out on top of a pyramid or something <laughs> just take a nap there or get just get sun poisoning like <laughs> why not i've got all this time in front of me uh yeah you have time to recover from the poison like to acquire and then recover from poisoning and then just <laughs> Wait, like, can you... <laughs> go back to non-vacation can you, can you gain immunity from sun poisoning <laughs> if you <laughs> get it enough uh, there's only one way to find out Anyway, let's go on vacation. Game vacation. Yeah. What? So I guess we figure out, you know, what's our normal game work like? I've been like taking a break from games for so long that I'm just taking normal vacation to use making games somewhat as part of my vacation. Yeah. So I think our answers are going to be extremely different because of how much work gaming game stuff is in our respective lives like like what is the vacation from or yeah so i mean it's like you know just removing your brain from whatever whatever skull it currently resides in. yeah yeah i think we're in opposite skulls uh we've, we've because since quarantine started game design is my only job so yeah game vacation for me is not making a game and I think I'm Yeah, you mentioned on the Discord the other day that you created a table of contents and then just looked at it and you're like, oh, I'm too fucking tired. That was to enough. Make that. that was enough to put me under. Um That made me think that like simply scoping work like that and making skeletons of work is totally fine and good. Like that feels like a good practice to yeah. be in the habit of. Yeah, that's my new thing that I have discovered. I probably started it in the spring actually, and every game I've made since I start with a table of contents, even if it's a like a one-page game or a 12-page scene or something, just like it's more like a a bullet list of thought organization of what needs to go where and then you know, sometimes and this was really helpful with Necronautilus where it was like Today, I'm not in a great mood, but I could definitely write, like, the safety tools page or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's a low... That, that's, that's easy. I don't have to redesign the wheel or anything. Whereas game, days that I wake up more excited to engage with it, I could, that's when I write the core mechanics. Or if I had, like, a fucked up weird dream, that's when I design setting stuff, like, lore, yeah. lore stuff. 
Um, so having one, seeing all of the necessary work in front of me is helpful. It can be really daunting as it was last week because of other factors like burnout. But yeah, yeah. But but then also this comes back to like my post-it note theory of work of like here's all the tasks that are available to me this is sort of uh it's sort of like when you like hit pause on an open world game and you're like here's the main story quest that you haven't finished and here's all the eight side quests you haven't finished um and then also here's the 20 that you've already that you have finished and they're just there for prosperity um yeah to then have that menu of what you're capable of and what you desire to do super useful for me in compartmentalizing my my effort especially on a project like Necronautilus where it wasn't just the design it was also all of the art and the layout and everything um so it was like that same list in four dimensions i think you've stumbled upon a good piece of tech for games which is those quest uh menus that say what you have done like show your big accomplishments as named things yeah I think that's something that uh that's a game kernel that people could use for whatever but um i mean absolutely just taking that energy of you know that's how you work like you know that's how you organize your life and so what does a break from that look like yeah well so far it's nothing <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how long do you have to chill um i don't know that that question has like an explicit answer because um mm. if if things go according to plan uh babes in the wood 2 will be done by new year's done being written uh so that it could kickstart in january and uh, Necronautilus will arrive in December, mid-December also for fulfillment. So around that same time. So in theory, I have two months to write this book. That's my next book. Um, before I then ship my last book and get ready. Because again, now that this is my only job, I have to yeah. keep the wheels spinning. And that makes my relationship with it so much different because yeah, I've always enjoyed making stuff and I've been, I've had prolific output, but it was never like mandatory. Like I didn't need right. it to survive. I didn't need to. It, cha- it, it changes your relationship with it. Like you said. Yeah. So now I'm like actually in a, in a work bubble. And to some extent I like that because I like having routine and I like having, I punch in and punch out kind of relationship with some things. But as anyone who's ever designed a game knows um, that's all well and good when you're in Google Docs, but that's not how your brain works. Yeah. So uh, that's really been the most difficult part of it for me, especially right now, is having ideas and being conditioned to to normally go, oh, that's a good idea. I should develop that right now. Open up Docs and start writing. And knowing that doing that will not be advantageous for me so <laughs> yeah that's that's a level of mental effort that is way more than you initially expect when you when your brain just produces something like that right like a shower idea and you know it's funny too i was thinking before our call i was like this has never been necessarily my relationship with music despite that being my actual career for so long um mm-hmm. i never like watch a movie and and then 
half an hour later, I go, oh, I should write a song about that. But almost every <laughs> movie I watch, I go, well, how does this break down into like narrative components? And I, there's some real shit that I, because it happens to me all the time. Like I was watching Redline with Seb recently and I'm just uh, thinking about uh, cars and games for Torque Borg. And I was like, I'm doing the bad thing of, uh, of figuring out how this works in a game, this scene right here, instead of just like watching it. Um, and I both don't love that feeling and I'm grateful that I have it because I knew there was a point where that never happened to me and ideas are cheap, but, uh, we have just trained our brains to gamify the world, um, and just like come up with novel shit, uh, be, you know, just cause we think about it all the time. We talk about it every single week and in between. Um, and I know some people don't have that. In a way, I think it's a very valid, like media analysis tool. Yeah. Like watching a TV series and understanding just like narrative structure because you're, you can gamify it or it, it relates to some other like mechanical understanding that you have, like better is your understanding of why, screenwriters do certain things or why right. movies are paced in particular ways. And I think that's actually, that's super neat and it has definitely increased my appreciation for certain forms of those media. Uh, but yeah, it's really, there's not a switch that I can turn on and off. Uh, there's not any real control I have over that impulse. And that is a, is an aspect that I find somewhat damning now when I want to be away from it or I want to have some kind of like uh, freedom of thought that I don't permit myself to have. (laughs) You can't tell. (laughs) Yeah. I I listened to this podcast like a year or two ago about just like mental health and how, how brains work and people think that, that your brain is like a car and when you turn the wheel left, it'll go left. But your brain is like an elephant and you can ask it to go left, but it <laughs> it's doing things that you don't even understand. And maybe sometimes to go back to like the survivor bias, maybe you, you told it to go left and it was going to, it was like leaning left anyway. So you think you have control over it. Right. But, th- but this is all to say, like, obviously you, you can't always control or have even a ton of influence over your own thought process. So to have that thought process be so tied into what is now my work, um, it is definitely a struggle for me to then even ever consider myself away from work. Yeah, I I had this similar feeling uh, when I was like, you know, underwater caves and then there's those air pockets. Yeah, I do not understand, but I do know what. Yeah, I don't understand how they can exist. Yeah, they're they're just like below whatever, you know, you know, it's a thing, it's aerodynamics and fluid and shit anyway, you know, maybe you're in the descent and you're swimming on the water cave and you find one of those bubbles. That's burnout. I found one of the air pockets once a couple weeks ago and uh, was really skeptical of my own ability because I had one of these ideas. I just like got really inspired and was like, wow, I really want to make this and I'm feeling really energetic right now. But in the larger context of being in this underwater cave system, I knew that that pocket had so only so much air for me. And I had to, I was afraid that I would just uh, get double worse burn, double meat burnout. 
<laughs> on, you know, just trying to execute on this when I know that, like, you know, I'm feeling it right now, but in, like, five hours of work later, maybe not on one setting, but just in general, am I going to even be able to be a fan of this? And so I absolutely agree with the elephant thing. Um, also be, because a great warlord named Hannibal controls me every day. <laughs> There's also this really difficult task of recognizing whether you are in an underwater cave or if you're actually above water. Yeah. Like, because the underwater cave gives the illusion that you are above water because there's air there. Yeah. So that ability to d- understand and decipher the difference. I think a lot of this year I've been in the cave without rec- with and thought that I was above. It's really fucked up. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between a cave ceiling and a night sky sometimes. So, yeah. As, as I mentioned, I have these things in production. This is maybe the only time for the rest of the year that I can allot myself true freedom from games, a game vacation. True uh, freedom from games, a dream we all hold in our hearts. <laughs> that I someday right I exactly. So I I could do that right now. I could take two weeks till Halloween and really fuck off and still be totally fine with the rest of my work schedule for the remainder of the year. Um, but. Yeah, how how is game vacation achieved? Obviously, as game designers, we're going to create a set of rules and rewards. Yeah, uh, building our own game vacation. I mean, there we're going long before break, but like, there's just a reality where I haven't had two weeks off in a decade. Um, so I don't know what will I won't I won't recognize myself in two weeks, which I'm kind of excited about. Um, to really, you know, some people say you don't feel the effect of a vacation until you're one week in it. Like, like rhythmically, you will not, your body right. just won't figure it out. So a challenge to you is to also take two weeks if you can. I mean, you understanding that you have the ability and the, uh, you also deserve it is a big thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, There'll be work here and there that you can do or need to do, but, you know, just why not try it? Uh, I can certainly try it. (laughs) I opened up my brain modification zine to the phantoms that we made, the the expansion phantoms that were based on our experience with making the game. Um, Thinking that there was one that was more uh, burnout- I Adam Week Two, a phantom named Adam Week Two, is definitely <laughs> the most emblematic of that. Um, but the system in place for integrating it into the game is more positive than it is indulging in that burnout. <laughs> so, uh, expecting to open this up and be like, "Oh, here's like this case study of gamifying my own destruction." Um, it's not necessarily what that ended up being. The text We're is quite nice different. To ourselves too. <laughs> Let's come back from the break and talk about more stuff.
I'm thinking of a couple ways, you know, to for my brain to check if I'm on vacation or not. Some things that I can't otherwise do when I have to work every day. And I think dipping into my video games backlog is a part of that. Uh, what it, what are you playing, or like, what do you have in the in the queue? I just have a bunch of like fucking big games that I have not played. I think I have like a dragon, the new Dragon Quest game, just sitting on my Xbox hard drive. Um, a couple games like that. I like normally when you know I'm working uh at a job the games i typically play are you know quick one hour soirees of a video game <laughs> uh and instead like playing red dead was a thing that just took me months because i was just playing every weekend yeah i i actually have a quite a different relationship with games in my regular like work pace um mm-hmm. In that I play video games every day while I'm working. Um, not while I'm working, but like... Yeah. That's my... I will allow myself to shut off. Because I think there are very few times... This also could be just like my brain. Uh, but video games are an instance where most of the time I'm playing it. I'm not thinking about anything. Uh, or I'm like preoccupied with the game itself so it's something like dead cells where it's like um difficult (laughs) like yeah it it requires my attention in a way that tv and movies don't um or even like cooking or so like all my uh, regular life stuff doesn't so it's the only time that my brain isn't thinking about how to gamify things is while playing i'm excited to like play a game that i don't also need to have a podcast on while playing or like you know, I I want to just kind of do some more slow shit, yeah. Um, which is exciting. Like read a book. Do you remember these things? These I've things tried. We make and people buy. We should <laughs> we should be reading more. I, I like I'm just trying to read more games. Read a book or two. Um, I don't know. Uh, that that feels like stuff that I want to do but can't because of my schedule and just burnout. So I guess you know the things I'm gonna want to do is. I have to turn in some freelance work, so that first, but also, you know, work on personal projects, um, update games that just need updating. Like, I've got just a docket of freelance work I've just wanted to get to for the last six months, and now I'm faced with the time to do it. (laughs) Um, I, do you have any, like, hobbies that you do that aren't, like, for work or for money music that doesn't count does it it could (laughs) it could count yeah music that's that's a a very i mean this isn't targeted at you because this is just like a thing for people now is the not even desire but like expectation that any thing that you do that is not pure recreation like just completely fucking off it has to have some value that is not innate right like it has to have tertiary value so um because painting was that for me for a long time and then i got into selling paintings and then i got into like making pop art shit like fan art shit because it would sell and i was like Mm -hmm. that that was the bubble that popped for me making art 
probably two or three years ago, just being like, what the fuck fucking is this? Um, and yeah, it feels really shitty. I had a sort of renaissance this year with painting. Uh, again, this was a side effect of quarantine, but like doing commissions, but I was like, I'm only doing dogs and cats. So it'll be nice for me because I just stare at pictures of dogs for two hours. Um, and it's then there's always just like filler, like drawing flowers and stuff, which is just sort of meditative to me. Um, yeah. But then Necronautilus happened, and then I had to do an immense load of artwork for that Full book. Full interiors, yeah, exactly. With, with traditional ink, like, hunched over my desk every day. Um, that that hurts, yeah. Physically hurt and caused harm. Uh, and now, when this is another thing of, like, I am on break, and that is a thing I would do as this remedial activity that is enjoyable, um, is not quite enjoyable yet like i need it's still not it's too tender yeah exactly i mean music's good because i can just learn a new standard and there's a skill ceiling of jazz that is infinity so i can just always know that i can get better spending time playing um which is great uh i mean reading fucking books watching movies i guess you're wondering more about active stuff that a little bit, but but mostly because that's like how I can pass time too. Because there's however many hours in the day that I'm awake, and not having active use, like, just makes the day feel extremely long. Like I could play video games. Yeah. I could play Switch in bed for an hour max before I'm like, all right, what am I doing here? Or Oh, I feel you. I'm the totally opposite just because I've been uh, in the yoke of work for so long that any time I have is time that I'm not working, which it's really bad. Uh, I just spend more time at work than doing anything else. Um, So I'm excited just to see what I'm I'm predicting just a couple slime days where nothing happens. Uh, I did have slime day yesterday for sure. I watched like three hours of. 90 day fiance hell yeah <laughs> try and gamify that shit no i i couldn't have less interest in doing that but which is funny because in the spring yeah you got to get gamer antimatter game designer <laughs> antimatter you'll just never touch it me i'm never gonna make an anime game so i'm just gonna watch a ton of anime and never as a white person i just do not have the desire or ability <laughs> or requirement to um, it's funny cause in the spring I did this after cobwebs, I was super into watching catfish and we watched all of it, but, oh. but that one did like hit the, the target of my brain and say like, you could make a catfish game. <laughs> um, but 90 days. So like miserable that I have no desire. Um, even though they're definitely in the same field. <laughs> yeah. Find, finding the, the gamer antidote is is like a, a very exact science. I th- I'm thinking with fighting video games, just never feel the game designer um, poison. I mean, d- yeah, I just am Im- immediately not inoculated by how good it already is. I mean, that's a thing. Music is great because I can just think of it totally outside of games and it just engages me completely differently and is way better and way more fun. Going to be real. Like, 
games are great. It's not music. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, games I can make on my own ex- extremely yeah. well, and music I can't. I, I mm. get really no enjoyment out of making music in a isolation. Um, yeah. And I, a lot of that is because I'm, I've always been in like five piece rock bands and I play bass. So I'm like, my whole thing is extremely reliant on the drums. And if right. I don't have, especially live drums, like playing with a real drummer versus like a garage band drummer or Absolutely. loops or stuff. I, I really get nothing out of that experience. And I have tried this year a few times. Um, and it's just like not even a facsimile. Like it's it 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 does nothing for me. Definitely, I mean, so much of that is contingent on just your own personal practice. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, we can just to bring it back to games because um, if I know one thing, games editors do not love talking about music. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> see all my tweets about music. Um, that. I think I'm not playing enough games. I mean, that's obviously true. We played Troika the other day run by uh, Aaron King with the Brain Trust, and that was super-duper fun. Um, but there are just lots lots of big games, uh, big, in our scene big, that I just haven't had time to read or the ability to read. So I'm excited to be doing that and taking that kind of solo aspect of game design I feel like the majority of my game design is like a social practice right now. Yeah, you get to, like, uh, reading someone's book is also, like, insight into how they think. Yeah. And especially in, like, itch circles, um, r- creating output is, like, releasing a poem or uh, even just, like, a blog post or, you know, like a, a diary. And then yeah. all your friends will read it and hopefully get some. Generally, my way of interacting with something is parsing something like that and finding an aspect of it that to me is the most novel or the most like transcendent of the medium mm-hmm. uh, and really like clinging to that and singing the praises of that. And, and then often trying to translate that to my own work, like using 60 GM list by Viditia to make hell cabin was like extremely satisfying as a game design. But also I was like, obviously the thing I just made is in conversation with this thing that I think is great. Or when we, when we talked a lot about Necronautilus being in development of like, this is my pseudo love letter to like Bastion and Troika and all these other games, even though I don't interact with the people who make them, I more so think of Necronautilus as interacting with the audience that does interact with those games. And in right, that, exactly in that way, it's just like, it's like a fandom, like a, we all like this thing so much <laughs> together. Necronautilus is a Chris McDowell fan. fan <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. I mean, I just want to log on to itch.io and just finally read some of these, uh, the big bundle games um, and leave some reviews. Visit Kumata one like upon itch pages. <laughs> um, I retweeted this week. Someone tagged me in a post about Aurora and I was like, Oh, that's strange. I put that game out in April. 
And then I saw that they were doing a thread of all of the tabletop games from the itch mega bundle. And they started that thread in like June or July. And they just I think got, I got to tagged mine. into that thread too. Yeah, you're on there for guide, I think, or maybe yeah. Discord. What, but but if you have a game in the Mega Bundle, you'll get your your at eventually. <laughs> yeah, everyone, it's coming around. We're gonna get to you. But just seeing that, like, following back, clicking through that mention to see the whole thread that's been going for f- what four or five months. Um, one, it's really immense and, and overwhelming to see how much, how many games we all own and we might not be aware of. Yeah. But this person, it, uh, they're not. I wouldn't. They're not playing everything, but they're at least like engaging with or doing uh, some additional research too. And yeah. that's why it's taking months to do because there's just so much stuff in there. But historians are going to be piecing together the <laughs> uh, big bundle for years. And that that thread is super helpful. I maybe we'll link it in the show notes if we remember, but. Um, because there is so much stuff there and there is a lot that I didn't engage with for no particular reason other than being overwhelmed and then forgetting. Yeah, exactly. Just making a dent in those. I mean, yeah, I'm just excited to get my brain a little bit differently thinking. Different thinking is, is the goal here. Yeah. What, uh, what's some weird places you're taking inspiration from recently? Um, I think, I'm going back to really indulging myself in material manufacturing of, of like games that are not books, games that are not zines or whatever. So obviously I have the kink for boxed sets with tokens and shit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I did a few games this year with play mats and really love that medium still. Um, but I have just been exploring that like, merchandising and manufacturing aspect that I that really is most of my job in music truthfully besides performance is art direction and and merchandising so this is a thing that I we were talking about recently too of like you have everyone has this unique perspective and how you bring that into games is is really fascinating um, I know this is a strength of mine and I know it's not a strength of the gaming community. So yeah. it's really exciting for me to bring some of those bridges over. Um, so I get, I'll just like, I'll say it here for the first time. Um, my next release uh, for early November, 2020 is a game that's printed on a face mask. Hell yeah. Uh it's called Arbiter of Hope. It's a very it's very sh- short. Obviously it's refined it's it's restricted by its physical medium. And there's I probably won't do a digital edition at all because it is so small and it is a face mask. It's a face mask. Um but it's functional, obviously, because you wear it you, you wear masks. Um but that was such a neat thing for me to one come up with the impetus of like Okay, clearly no one has done this and the reason that no one's not no one's done this is not because it's a bad idea. It's just cuz it's like really strange and most people would never think of it, right? Like Right. It's not what you think of when you think of game manufacturing. And I think this current trend of releasing uh games as or with uh vinyl records and cassette tapes is also an extension of this like once once that idea is 
released, like other people can do really cool, interesting things with the format. Right. Yeah. Because so much of game design is I will make this a half letter staple bound book. Um, there's not a lot of challenge in, in the way of thinking that because that is a good way to publish stuff. Right. Um, I think, yeah, something that we especially try and do is just look for those areas where games don't yet exist or like formats and mediums that we could use. Um, like I just put out weird games in the show notes of this podcast for a little bit. It's just something you could do. Um, or, you know, a discord thing or whatever. Yeah. And, and I think that's also, um, to some extent because everyone's inside and everyone's, if you're a game designer and we've, you know, we've talked a lot about how like that part of your brain is just constantly running. Um, MRI show that the game design core of the brain is lit up under any stimulus (laughs) Um, (laughs) in a straining extreme power from the brain and mind and body. Yeah, it is over overheating the CPU a lot of the time. It's basically cartoon style uh, steam whistle shouting out my ears every time the game design brain turns on. I feel the building up of steam pressure within a lot. Um, we need a lumbotomy stat. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think sometimes, though, you it, with that running, sometimes all you can do is, like, quiet it or allow it to go on autopilot. And sometimes I think I do that for something like Excommunicado, which is fine, and I like the style of it, but it's just, like, not um, exceptional. And yeah. great, like I don't. Not everybody's work. Not all of it needs to be exceptional, and that's kind of the point. Um, but then when I do have those like ideas from other worlds, um, not to say that my face mask game is exceptional, but the idea of making it a game on a face mask is, and like that's right. that I, that was enough for me to be like, oh fuck yeah, I'm excited about this to do the art for it, and it was cool. Um, and so to kind of to I, I I went on so many tangents I don't even know what my path was but um, this game too came out of one this material understanding of I know where to get face masks printed in bulk mm-hmm. at a decent price then it was also like so what would a game on a face mask do because the wearer can't read it so is it text that is intended for the witness and the wearer is like the game bearer. Um, mm, the and there, game bearer. there's all these like levels of consideration that again are in- invisible. This is a game that is three sentences long. So those considerations aren't made obvious by the fact that this is on a mask. You could look at it and just be like, they wanted to make a short game to fit on the mask. Um, but there's actually quite a bit of thought and like logic and, creativity that went into that systemically it works yeah so and then too it was initially i wouldn't call it a horror game but it was quite a bit darker and i was talking to spencer about it uh the designer of slayers in the in the dms and we were like score uh it just feels like to some extent it's it's ground i've tread a lot this year um and I do st- I love horror stuff and I've been engaging obviously it's October so I've been engaging with it a lot more. 
October is a spooky month. <laughs> if you weren't, if you weren't aware, it's the one of the spookier months. October is something of kind of a frightening, a <laughs> uh, little bit spooky month for reasons not totally clear about. But then I, as we were talking about it, uh, I had this realization that one, um, this game will actually come out in November. So this proclivity I have to make a scary thing is, is sort of fading. Um, and then two, it is informed by just like mask wearing policy. So at first mm-hmm. it was like an act of aggression, like this text on the, the game text was aggressive towards the reader. Yeah. Um, with the idea being I would be wearing this mask and anyone who's close enough to me to read it can fuck off. Uh, <laughs> but which is still my general policy, sure. uh, but, but not wanting to it, have it be like the edgy t-shirt that you got at Spencer's. Cause this is also like a worn item, right? So like some people just wouldn't want to wear something that is aggressive to a stranger in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and all it took was revising, like changing nightmare to dreams or something like in the rules text. And it became like a positive thing. And wow, so fuck yeah. now it is sort of this hopeful. It's not like pie in the sky, but it has some hope to it as much as you can in three sentences of, of rules. Um. Anyway, it's all to say, like, I did have this light bulb moment something that I enjoy that something which is making cool product, um, translating a game to, to mold that product and not just doing it as a port because it was somewhat important to me as invisible or visible as it is when it's finished to have those design considerations be part of the form. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a highlight for me in terms of things I made this year things i could things that were creatively satisfying for me this year that did never never felt like it was painful wow well that's that's really good i think with the understanding that you know this is your job and you do have to work finding as many of those as you can are always going to be big wins yeah yeah anything the sort of game that i can write in one day because i'm so excited it just like pukes out of me those are those you're fucking sick (laughs) those are the days where you're like this doesn't feel like work this doesn't feel like a job Um, i know i i have that stuff with just brainstorming games now where i will just like lovingly hold on to a corpus of ideas around a game for like big grave or something like that and uh just you know the way i lobotomize my game brain is to just write it down somewhere and somewhere I know I just have a ton of notebooks around my room. Saw a drummer on YouTube listen to a song once and he's like, all right, I'm gonna have to remember that. You know, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. And then he just wrote something down and I still th- obviously still am thinking about that two weeks later. <laughs> thing the drummer said. My my I do that with screenshots. Uh if I'm listening to a podcast, I'll screenshot the timestamp and then it'll live in my camera roll. Um <laughs> like, or why? It, <laughs> seeing someone have a great tweet like a theory thread or whatever i'll screenshot it and then i'll remember i can go back and find it because there is sort of the like i feel like scouring your camera roll is a very modern brain off just like let's see what brain pictures off. i took recently i absolutely did that do you want to play that game really quick what let's pictures see. we took recently yeah let's let's go 
we haven't had a lot of like lol fun we've had a more like so first picture is um a picture of jonesy's backyard that i was roasting <laughs> i have a picture of challenge.com all of the fucking i still have to do that all the video game songs we were going to make a bracket for a lot um, of songs i got a glue guide that's a pretty good sheet right <laughs> gives you your material i'm working on a game that includes tarot cards that i'm custom gilding and shit so uh, how often talk do about you that more next week how often do you like clean up your camera roll um almost never most people i know are are almost nevers i do it every day um whoa and it's because i play pokemon go and so there's always a picture of my buddy pokemon that i took in the morning uh to get the heart or whatever and every day i'm like i don't need this picture in my camera roll oh and then i'll see like five around it that are like unnecessary to save so might might as well delete those okay well i got (laughs) Um, a picture of a toilet and says, would you take a shit for 65 quadrillion dollars? Um, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a picture of the thirsty sword lesbians cover. Cause I thought the cover treatment was really, really good. Yeah. I do that a lot. A lot of book covers in here. I got a picture of a GDC guy slide. I do that. I'm watching a lot of GDC talks. That's something that I like doing right now. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to like go back and find. You've recommended a couple. Um, I think that would be a way that is healthy for me to engage with game design theory and stuff without tipping over. At worst, it will make you want to get up and write something down, which is what I really like about it. Honestly, just pop on, just look up a game you like plus the words GDC and you'll see people talking about it and you'll just like learn stuff about your own practice and games and that game. Um, A talk I listened to was all about quantity versus uh, adventures in quantity over quality. And it was about these two guys that just made infinity slot machine games on the Google Play Store and like how they did that. Um and it was just kind of fascinating. <laughs> like, yeah, that aspect of there, there is so much of gaming that's not covered by our like perception of gaming. Yeah, and I, I'm not interested at all in making video games. Right, I have no desire for one minute. Um, that's because I know people that have made video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems hard and bad, uh, but just the process and with the way teams organize and work and the lessons from there are, you know, way it's just, it's just free real estate. It's, it's free. It's free game advice. Uh, let's see in my camera roll, I've got a couple pictures of Quincy sleeping on me that are always good. That's um, great. I have Should a. I just post these to the Brain Trust Discord, and I often do, but I try to restrain, or like I won't do one every day, even though he does sleep on me every day. Um, <laughs> I have a picture, a picture, a photo that I took of my computer screen, not a screenshot, of us playing Jackbox the other night, uh, and having Quancy versus Quincy in the uh, <laughs> Champion of SAS showdown. That was oh, a- I was I was playing. Um- Miss Nikki? What is this game called? Is it called Miss Nikki? Love Nikki. Love Nikki. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's like a fashion game. 
it's called Love Nikki, and it gave my character. I asked for a random name, and it named my character "Beautiful Woman Who Wears Beautiful Clothes," Luther Tanya, and I bought the salt lamp. Also, it's a new purchase for me, um, and I also named the lamp Luther Tanya. So I just have kind of a <laughs> lot of Luther Tanya uh, content on my phone right now. I've got a couple photos from when Erica and I went to the drive-through haunted. Halloween Road, presented Ooh. by Freeform. Um, Freeform presents. <laughs> hey, was... what is with this month and being so friggin' scary, Adam? <laughs> this was an ex- especially scary one because um, you go down this road and there's like performers. There's um, at least two Bette Midler from Hocus Pocus impersonators. <laughs> one of which is singing, and the other is just like toiling about. Um, to- a toil mode in sport you... mode. <laughs> And city ever, mode. If you've ever gone to one of these before COVID, like just like a Halloween branded experience, um, there's always like a photo booth. To, while you're waiting in line, you, you get your photo taken as if it's like a red carpet. Um, so, you know, the, the branding logo is just repeated tiled on this tarp behind you. Um, the Halloween road presented by Freeform did this as well, but you couldn't get out of your car. Uh, because it's a drive in like safe experience. And there is a photo in my camera roll of uh me driving Erica's car with her in the passenger seat and the car has been photoshopped onto the peak of the mountain from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> um so that's, that's a highlight nice. of the camera roll. <laughs> I have a lot of work in here. Um I've Paint, got some uh, gifts of UI from Ava on here. I've got a picture of Sebder of me. That's very good. Um, I was going to update my iOS with all these special icons because now I'm just made of time. So why not do something that takes <laughs> two hours like that? I have a lot of uh, Sopranos memes. Just love love the guys. Um, I have some TikToks I've saved. I was going to ask, I have a couple, but, but mine are all work focused. So I'll save like a TikTok that's an Adobe Illustrator tutorial or <laughs> some like Etsy creator on TikTok talking about all the places to order stickers online. And I'll be like, oh, I'll save this in case there's new information for me. I don't know why I've saved these. I know why I saved this one. I'll go ahead and play it. So I know why I have that one. <laughs> Sub's in here fucking laughing. <laughs> we have been howling over this one. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's my game vacation. Yeah, this is a good time. We'll we'll check in next week and see how each of us have been doing. Uh, I guess I'll. Should we set goals for next time? No, you don't set goals on vacation. Shit. Then how do I know if I'm doing <laughs> enough vacation? Um. Hmm. I feel like goals are vacation goals are anti goals. Like you you wrote less than six pages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you spent less than four hours with your face in a pillow. Uh, mm. All the things that you do in your everyday that you are trying to avoid doing while on vacation. We live our anti-lives on vacation. (laughs) 
<laughs> or do we live our true lives? And that's something we're just going to have to take home today on the Brain Trust Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Why don't you navigate to your motherfucking podcast app and give us a five stars and leave us a little review. Um, none of you have done it. I feel it. like Spotify disallowing reviews and ratings is really shooting us in the foot. Um, we did all no the one work has to get listed, it. and then there's no reward for it. No one listening. I know exactly who's left reviews, and it's none of you. So, <laughs> if you're li- if you got this far, you know, look it up. Someone was recommending like which episodes of the Brain Trust podcast to listen to, and they always recommend a couple of them, and I have no idea why it's those. Just no, no, a clear idea what consists of a good episode of this podcast. I think this was one, but I'm not sure. We were kind of serious the whole time. And we didn't listen to a video about someone drinking Monster Energy. So, uh, but the TikTok at the end is the media integration that we like our minimum portion. quota. Yes, we've done it. Uh, and I did make a Hannibal and Hannibal Lecter joke earlier. That was pretty good. <laughs> Proud of that one. And um, I am starting this new character of not knowing why October is scary. So I'm excited to bring that into next episode. Yeah, it's a little late in the game for the debut, but I think you could still capitalize on it. <laughs> get by. Just really get him in the second half. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, ha- we have a couple. Um, We've got two more records before, you know, it's time to yeah. stop. <laughs> we've got to make the most of it. So, yeah. And then, we'll, you know, we'll just figure out what to do for November. I think you do the opposite and you talk about why November is so spooky. <laughs> I always think November is way spookier than October. Cause it's like, now we're all serious. Like now it's yeah. just getting cold and we're serious. And this is, I mean, yeah, we'll get there in, we'll in get three there. records. We'll confront November. We'll talk to November. Um, and that's, you know, kind of our, our life cycle. So if you like this kind of stuff, just really show us with your words and text and stars. <laughs> uh, let's wrap it. I'm on Twitter at WC Game Co. That's the, my face mask game uh, is going to be going to my patrons. Uh, so sign up at patreon.com slash world champ game co before like November 4th. Probably uh, that's a totally arbitrary day in the first week of November that I pulled out, but it's a scary month, so do it early before you get too scared to open your phone. <laughs> there will there will be extras. Uh, the print run is more than what is available to patrons, but um, not a ton, and they will Why cost test more. That? So yeah. it's just safer and better and more directly helping me to become a patron. Um. My name's Williams. I'm uh, uh, online at will.com, and you can find me on Star Wars Squadrons. I'll let you shoot down my ship. It's totally intentional why I'm taking all these deaths. Um, I am reprinting Black Mass. It's a gamer trophy. I'm reprinting Black Mass. I'm working on a game that is tarot cards and booster packs, so I'll probably have more to talk about about that later. Uh, And we have to go now. So branch emoji, hand emojis, goodbye.